so good to see you guys today. Welcome to the church. And um, God is on the move, and I'm excited about that. Lots of stuff going on today. Um, after the service, uh, we're going to have people sign up for groups. Today's our group fair, so we're launching all of our small groups for the fall, rest of the fall. Today, you have an opportunity to sign up, connect groups, uh, and grow groups. And I'll get into what that means at the end of the service. Um, but we, our hope is that every adult, um, young adult, older adult, middle-aged adult, whatever, is connected in a group. We, we need family. We need people around us. And um, so our hope is that you connect, you begin to grow, build relationships, surround yourself with people that are amazing and, and, uh, and, and watch what God does in your life. So that's, that's um, I'll touch upon that at the end of the service, and then we'll leave the sanctuary, and there'll be tables out there that you can sign up for the various groups that are available to you. Um, today, we have a little family business. There's times when, in my home, we, we call it a family meeting. And a family meeting is typically to deal with something and make sure everyone's on the same page, or to give information. Today is to give information. We don't have any problems to deal with. Um, but there's some changes taking place in our staff. And it's always good to communicate that so everyone understands what is going on. Um, on January 31st, Lynn May came to me and said, I, as our worship leader, she says, I need to step down. My life is crazy. I've got things going on, and I need to attend to them. And, you know, from that day, we began a search for a worship leader. It's been a long search because that's what, eight, we're seven, eight months later and, you know, we've, we've filled the gaps to give her a release from her responsibilities a few months ago, starting in the beginning of summer. Um, but the reality is it's, it's been something that we've been working towards, praying about, and asking God about for a long time. And so today we're going to make an announcement of a change that's taken place in the worship director position as Lynn steps down from her responsibilities and you know, as the Lord leads her, she'll be involved in worship from time to time moving forward. Um, but she needs a break. And I want to just say about Lynn, Lynn, could you come up? I just want to have you come on up. So Lynn is so amazing. She's been, you know, I don't, I always butcher up the years, but I'm guessing like 18, uh, 13 to 18 years, somewhere in that range, and I know I nailed it with that, that uh, she's been leading this church, and we have had some of the most amazing times in worship. I remember people, you know, being a part of this church, then moving to another state or another uh, country and coming back and said, you know, it's home when I get in the presence of the worshiper here, you, re you don't realize what you have. And uh, we've been blessed. Lynn has been so amazing, just an anointing on her life. And she shared that with all of us. And it's been so incredible to see. Uh, as a staff person, she's been the most supportive, uh, loyal, uh, 
person, she's just amazing, and, and I just honor you. I want to honor you because you are absolutely incredible. And um, she does deserve honor today. So Kelly, you got something for her? You want to bring up something and bless her today? Yes. So I want to introduce to you our newest worship director. His name is Justin Palmatier. I want to invite you, Justin, to come on up. So we're excited about Justin and what God's doing in his life. Uh, young guy with lots of energy, and he's local, he's connected, he's been involved in music all his life. He's at, he works at the Guitar Center, um, his other job, and uh, you know, so you should stop by and see him on Erie Boulevard. Um, but we're excited about the future as well, and we're excited that Lynn's going to be with us moving forward. And so we wanted to just make sure that everyone was on the same page, what is going on, and God is doing great things. So we want to take a minute and pray for Lynn. And then we're going to have Lynn pray for Justin. All right? Would you just join me um, in prayer? And actually, I'm going to, you're not joining me. You're joining my wife in prayer. All right? Thank you, God. Lord, I thank just you. thank you for Lynn. I thank you for all of these years that she's poured into this place, God. Lord, that it's just a, a beautiful fragrance into your, your, your nostrils, God that you are, you are well pleased, Lord, in, in the sacrifices that she's made, Father, and, and the leading the people. And, Lord, the times when the glory came, God, we just don't forget about it, God, that, that we continue to tell the stories, God, of what you've done through Lynn's life in worship in this place. And, God, I thank you for the firm foundation that Justin is coming on, and, Lord, that um, you're just moving. Lord, I thank you that there's more for Lynn, that this is not the end, that you're showing her, you're framing her um, into the, what you have for her in this season, in this time, God. And so, Lord, we just bless her. Lord, we bless her. We ask, God, that, Lord, your blessing would overtake her and her family, God, during this season, that, Lord, that she would feel so overwhelmed with your love and your goodness, God. And we just give you praise for her life. We thank you, God, that, that she's not leaving us, God, that she's still here. And we just give you praise for her, God. What a blessing the May family is and what a blessing Lynn is to me in this place, God. In Jesus' name, I pray. And I just, uh, I just, I just want to pray for her, Lord, as she just continues to attend to the things that are before her in her life. May she have much grace and favor, God. And, Lord, we just declare this is a good season over her life. It's a good season. God's going to do good things, amazing things for you, Lynn. I see a new level of freedom. I, I see a new level of healing in your life. And so I just bless you, Lynn, in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to ask Lynn, her worship director for many years at Faith Chapel, laid an amazing foundation to pray for Justin. Thank you, Father. We thank you, God, for Justin, Lord. God, I thank you for the heart that this young man has, Father, the love that he has for you, God. It's so exhibited, Father, in um, everything that he does, and I thank you for that, God. As he, as, uh, he steps into this position, 
Father, I just ask, Father, that there be conversion of of heart and passion, Father, in a greater way, Lord God. Father, I pray that, um, uh, (laughs) as has been said before, that he doesn't come in having to uh, break any ground, but he will stand on my shoulders and on the shoulders of the leadership here and, and will go even farther and higher. Father, I pray that you would give him wisdom Father, in leading this team, I I pray for our team, Lord God, that they would all come together in unity, Lord God. Uh, I just pray for uh, great things for this church as he has dreams and visions, God. Give him uh, great, amazing dreams and visions for (coughs) the team and for the people of this church, Lord God. And I just pray, pray that everything, Father, that you have purposed for him to do will be brought to pass. We thank you, God. We praise you, God. We put a blessing on top of him, Father, from the top of his head, God, to the tip of his toes, God. May may he just feel the presence of the Holy Spirit, Lord God, and that he would walk mightily in the anointing that you give him. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good days ahead. Be sure to bless both of them and and uh, share encouraging words with them and, and welcome them. Welcome Justin and and just express your sincere gratitude for them. What an amazing, amazing woman. She poured so much into who we are as a church. Um, wanted to get into the word today. We are starting a series called Stories That Change the World. Stories that change the world. And there's really, when you think about it, there's something so powerful about a story. Stories have the ability to change people's minds, to illuminate things that maybe they're not aware of. Stories have the ability to cause people to think about things that they had not thought about. And um, I, I was mindful in thinking about a story from the Old Testament about King David. King David, uh, in, in one of his darker seasons of life, he ended up having uh, an affair, an affair with, with a woman named Bathsheba. And in, in the midst of that whole process, uh, it was a very dark time in his life. He tried to cover it up. He had uh, her husband killed, and, and just all this, all this stuff was going on. It wasn't a good season for the guy who was known as the one, uh, a man after God's own heart. It's not a good season, but I'm thankful that the story goes on and, and that God has a sense of redemption, and how he began that redemption was through a story. There was a guy, a, a friend, and a prophet named Nathan that was sent by God to David. And Nathan comes upon the scene and begins to talk to David, and he shares a story of all things. And he says, you know, there was this, there was in this city there were two men. One was very rich, and one was very poor. And uh, the rich man had flocks, I mean, numerous flocks, just whole, just just many, many flocks and herds. And he was just rich beyond belief. And the poor man really had nothing. He had one little ewe lamb. One little ewe lamb. And that ewe lamb was not just, a, 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 you know, an animal that was out in the pasture. That, that ewe lamb became close to the family. The, the ewe lamb was 
it, it lived in the house, and he, he let the lamb sleep on his chest, and he fed it, and it was close to he and his family and his children. And, and um, the Bible even says it was like a daughter to him. He was just, it was just one of those pets, you know. It became a pet. It became a close, uh, close to the family. And, and Nathan goes on to tell the story that a, a traveler came into town. And the rich man, wanting to feed this traveler, refused to take one of the, the lambs from his flock to feed this traveler. But he chose to take that little ewe lamb from the poor man to feed the traveler. And as David's hearing this story from Nathan, he begins, he begins to become infuriated, so upset, so mad. He's like, that guy deserves to die for his actions. And he needs to pay back. Uh, before he dies, he needs to pay back four times what he's taken from that, from that man, that poor man and his family. And Nathan points, I could just see it now. It doesn't, the Bible doesn't say point his finger, but I would point my finger. Points the finger at David and says, you are that man. Now, what does a ewe lamb have to do with a wife and, and all this stuff? David got it through a story. He was trying to hide his actions, but you can't hide anything from God. And, and it's through a story uh, that God used to, to open the eyes of David to the tragedy that he had brought out by his own actions. And, and so in this series, Stories That Changed the World, we're going to talk about the stories of Jesus, also known as parables. Parables are, are short stories, simple stories used to illustrate truth, and in this case, spiritual truth. And... Parables are so amazing because they can reveal and they can conceal. They reveal things, they reveal spiritual truths to people whose hearts are, are ready to receive spiritual truths. And they can conceal spiritual truths from people whose hearts are not ready. So to the person whose heart is not ready, it just comes across as some good story. Like, oh, that's pretty cool, you know. It's not life-changing. But to the person whose heart is ready... It can absolutely, it's such a big spiritual truth that it can absolutely change your life. It can absolutely change your life. So we're going to go after these spiritual truths. We're, we're going to ask God that our hearts are good uh, and ready to receive what God is saying. And I'll just give you an example of a couple. You know, I'm not covering these two today, but, um, you know, God used parables to reveal his love for lost people. Everyone knows, or most people have heard of a prodigal son, right? A prodigal son, in our vernacular, is someone who runs off, you know? They're a son, but they've taken off, right? And so when we say, even in our culture, people who are not Christian or not in the church, oh, he's a prodigal, meaning he ran off. He's, he's a, a son or a daughter, a child that has gone off. And that's just, it's become common uh, language in our culture. And many people, God used another parable to, to illustrate who our neighbor is. I mean, many people know about the Samaritan, the Good Samaritan, right? I mean, you can see in corporate businesses, people have Good Samaritan policies or Good Samaritan uh, approaches to help people out. And so these are some, not all, but some of the parables that Jesus spoke that began to change the world. So today I want to look at uh, a parable and we're going to be in Luke chapter 8 today. 
If you have your Bibles, you might want to turn there. We'll also have uh, notes in the app, and uh, we'll have the verses on the screen. But excuse me. I'm going to be in Luke chapter 8, and you may see, if you, if you look at verse 1, the title of this parable, according to your Bible, is something like the parable of the sower. Does anyone have anything else? Parable of the sower. If you look in your Bible, what does the title above verse 1 say? Anything else besides the parable of the sower? Is that what it's titled? Interesting. Getting Farmer scattering seed? All right. Interesting. Okay. So uh, this, is, this, is a, this is a story, if you've re- ever read through the Gospels, you've read this story three times because it's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke in the Bible because they're called the Synoptic Gospels. The Synoptic Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, have a lot of similar parables, sometimes word for word. And so uh, I actually had someone say, I'm not excited about this series. I mean, I know, I already know the parables. I already know them. The reality is God has a lot to reveal to us through these parables. Amen? So we're going to look at at these parables. In this parable, it starts off where all these crowds are are following Jesus, and, and he decides to get in a boat because he's being so crowded and he can't communicate well. He decides to get in a boat and push out just a little bit from shore so that uh, he can communicate well to all of the people. And if you know anything about Jesus, he wasn't all about the crowds. Many times he said very, very hard things because he wanted to filter out the crowd. He, he wanted to filter out people who were just following him because they wanted some food from him. You know, He wanted to filter out people that weren't serious about their faith. He was calling people to follow him wholeheartedly, disciples. People that were willing to lay their life down. And sometimes it took hard truth to communicate to them. And, and we see in the scriptures that there were times people walked away. They said, I, I, can't, I can't do this anymore. I can't. He's asking for too much from me. And so as we look at, at this, this particular parable, we see Jesus goes on to say that there was this sower, this, this farmer, this, this guy who was planting crops. And, and they used to walk around with this either like a bag that was strapped around their shoulder filled with seed or a basket that was filled with seed. And they would just dig their hands into it and began to scatter the seed. And and, and Jesus goes on in this parable to say that there was this, this sower, people, this person, farmer, scattering seed. And as he scattered seed, some fell along the path. And he says it got trampled, that seed got trampled on, and the birds of the air became, they came and, and snatched it up. They ate it. The birds saw that as a meal, so they took the seed and ate the seed. Then he goes on, on to say that there was, there was some of that seed not only fell on the, the path, but some fell in rocky places. Um, and we think like chunks of rock here and there. But, but in that culture, there was like a layer of bedrock in certain areas and a very thin layer of soil. And in those rocky places, the roots couldn't grow deep. And Jesus says, in that place, the the roots couldn't grow deep and there wasn't enough moisture because moisture can't get through that layer of bedrock, you know? So it's not coming up from the ground. Um, And and so it sprung up quickly, but in in the sun, because there was no root foundation, 
it began to wither and, and die. And then he goes on to talk about this, this seed that fell amongst the thorns. And it began to grow, 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 grow. But in the time when it was supposed to be producing fruit, the thorns had choked it out. It's sort of like my garden right now. Um, I got a lot more higher weeds that I do, uh, things that are producing veg vegetation for me. And then he said, oh, yeah, about the thorns, he said there's this, this uh, it was just choked out. It produced no fruit, no vegetation. And he said, finally, some seed landed on good soil, good soil. And this, this produced a, a tremendous harvest, 30, 60, 100 times what was sown. What a, what a tremendous uh, return on the investment. And yet, it's interesting. You may ask, well, why, why in the world would the farmer throw seed and let it fall on hard places or in places where there's thorns or in, uh, in an area where there's bedrock and there's not enough soil? And that's a great question. I hope to answer that today. Um, but let's just begin to just break down this because as he spoke to the, to the multitudes, my guess is that not a lot of people got the spiritual piece to this whole thing. Because his disciples, now we always say they're slower than most, these guys, but um, his disciples come to him after. after. In fact, Jesus shared what I just shared with you, and then he, the Bible says he called out, he who has ears, let him hear. Now, everyone within the sound of his voice heard what was said. But everyone, not everyone in the sound of his voice understood what was being taught. And so I think in this room, there's a chance that maybe we get it. You know, we, we hear it. We're like, oh, my goodness, not the parable of the sower. Uh, but the reality is we're not hearing what Jesus is trying to say. In fact, I, if I had the chance to change it, I'm going to tell you the title of my message. I wouldn't call it the parable of the sower. I would call it, it's all about the soil. Because look at what Jesus says in, in Luke 8, verse 11. He says this, this is the meaning. This is after his disciples come to him. They, they're like, we, we just don't get it. What, what, are you, what are you talking about? And help us understand what in the world you're saying out there. And he says, he says this is the meaning of the parable. In fact, he says before this, of all the people that get it, you guys should get it, you know. You guys should understand this. But they didn't get it. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. And what we need to know about that seed is that seed is good seed. It doesn't, it doesn't matter where that seed falls, it's going to be good seed. There's nothing wrong with the seed. The word of God will always, is always ready to produce transformation. It's always ready to produce fruit. It's always ready to bring about the change that God intended it to do. The word of God does not return void. And so he's saying the seed is the word of God. What he does not say here is the sower, in this case, is Jesus Christ himself. I would go as far as to say that there's nothing wrong with the sower. Right? There's nothing wrong with the sower. In fact, we become sowers when we do the work of God. There's nothing wrong with the sower. There's nothing wrong with the seed. And so when we say the parable of the sower... The reality is, I think it should be called something like the parable of the seed, or it's all about the seed, because the reality is, as we, as we talk about this parable, 
you're going to see it's the seed that makes the difference. Excuse me. It's the, it's the soil that makes the difference. It's the soil that makes the difference. The seed is always good. The sower is always good. It's all about the seed. And so we're going we're gonna to share what Jesus taught and then look at what does this mean for us. I mean, what does this mean for me? What does this mean to me and how does this make a difference in my life? And so he goes on in verse 11 to say, the seed is the word of God. Verse 12, those along the path are the ones who hear. Now look at this. Remember Jesus said, whoever has an ear to hear, let him hear. The people, the, the, the person or the, the, the place that the seed fell represents people. And it represents people that hear the word of God. Do you see this? Those, meaning people, along the path are the ones who hear. We hear. And then the devil comes and take, takes away the word from their hearts. Now Jesus is making, he quickly transitions from soil to heart. I want you to see this. He quickly transitions from soil to to heart. So what is what he's saying is it's all about remember I said it's all about the soil? Really Jesus is saying it's all about your heart. It's all about the condition of your heart. The seed is always good and Jesus Christ being the sower, he's always good. So the question is where is the word of God falling? And is it falling on the type of heart that's ready to allow uh, the word of God to transform them. You get that? Is the seed falling in a place where transformation is ready to happen? See, in that day, the fields would be bordered by a path. The path was set up so that people and animals can travel from one place to another. So on the edge of every field, there were paths. And this path was just beaten down dirt. Typically, it'd be stuff that you would walk over and it'd get hardened under your feet. And the animals would do their thing on the path and they'd walk along the path. But it, it became so hard and so matted down that it, it, it was not able to receive a seed. Do you get this? And so what Jesus is saying in my vernacular is, that's a hard heart. Do you get this? That's a hard heart. And I don't know if you've ever run into people uh, with hard hearts. I mean, hard-hearted, hard-headed, stuck in their ways, people who believe one thing and they refuse to bend on that. Um, these are the kind of people that they could have a Bible study with Billy Graham and it would not make a difference. I mean, the, the person, the evangelist, that, the greatest evangelist, and one of them that our world has ever seen. These are the kind of people that it could hear a testimony from a mob boss and not be moved because their heart is hard. Oh, we run into these people all the time, you know? And I'm not here to point a finger because sometimes our heart is hard to the word of God. But we run into these kind of people all the time. I, I remember years ago, my friend Jason Sheridan, he's the pastor over in Auburn, uh, Faith Chapel of Auburn, and he and I used to go out 
Friday nights at about 11 p.m. And we used to just want to share the love of God in our city. And so we used to go just, we just go down there. We didn't hand out tracks. We didn't go with a megaphone. We just went there to love people and to strike up conversation and to tell people how much God loves them, to tell people that God hears you and, you know, he hasn't forgotten about you and, you know, he has his eye on your life. And, you know, there, there was, it was amazing because there was fruit. There was people that were like touched by that, by those conversations and that ministry. But then there were other people like they were on a mission. They were down in the city to party, you know, and they didn't want to hear a word of what we had to say. And their hearts were hard. It breaks my heart, but the reality is they, they, they wanted to hear nothing of what we had to offer. Their hearts were hard. Jesus goes on in verse 13. Actually, let me finish verse 12 because there's something I didn't, I didn't uh, emphasize here. If we go back to 12, he says, Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart so that they may not believe and be saved. See, the devil, the devil just snatches... They hear, but the devil just snatches it away, and no transformation. That, that seed just rests upon their heart, the seed, the word of God. It just rests there, and then, then the enemy comes, and he just says, oh, I got that. No transformation, no heart change takes place. Moving forward to 13, so those, that's the hard heart. Verse 13 says, those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it. Again, there's hearing going on. But they have no root. They believe for a little while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. I would call this a, a person with a shallow heart. Their, their faith never takes root. It doesn't ultimately bring about transformation in their life. They're, they're not different. So there's no root. There's no depth. There's no, uh, there's no commitment from their lives. And, and maybe you've met people like this. We've seen people come in and and they love the church. They love how we love so well. They, they love the energy and the, the worship and this and that. And it makes them feel oh so good. I've heard those words literally. It makes me feel so good when I'm here. And, you know, uh, and that's amazing. We love, we love to hear that. But, but if it never goes any further, it doesn't change their lives. There was this one kid that um, years ago in youth group, he came to youth group, um, and I just saw, I saw immediately God doing something in his heart. It was amazing. Uh, I, spent, I spent time with him, significant time with him. I took him to a camp uh, along with some other guys, and we, just, we were in a cabin, and we spent time together. And I remember him telling me out by the lake that one day, he said, you know what, I want to be a youth pastor. I want to do what you do because I see the effect and the impact that you have on people's lives. I want to do that, God. I want to, I want to do what you do. I was thinking about him yesterday, and uh, I actually sent him a Facebook message because I just began to weep. The fact that he's just gone, you know. He's, he, he, he never really established a, a foundation. There was, you know... For the people that really love the feeling of the church and the love and the energy and, and this and that, what happens typically if they're not committed is when they start to see the word of God challenge their lifestyle, 
But when someone lovingly says, you know, I want to see you, I I want you to know I love you, but, you know, if you're going to live a faithful, God-honoring Christian life, this has got to change in your life. And then all of a sudden, who are you to to tell me what I got to do? You know, there's pushback, like, okay, I like the feeling, but you're asking me to change my life? Are you kidding me? And so the Word of God, you know, the Word of God can be offensive to people at times. And so there's that, there's that layer of bedrock that doesn't allow the Word to go deep enough. The foundation of the Word of God to build um, a roots in our lives. And people don't want to change. And the Bible says in times of testing they fall away. Um, so People who are committed will put down roots in their lives. In the notes, I have this written down. I think it's a very powerful statement. If you don't have a commitment to grow your faith, you will let go of your faith when the hard times come. I mean, we could start off, we could, we could start off, like, if the, if the race of faith is a, a 40-meter sprint, man, we could, we, could, we could do amazing things. The reality is, it's a marathon. And many people start strong and never finish. They start strong and they don't end the race. They, in fact, when you see people, they, they, they start the process of committing their lives to Christ. And it looks amazing. You start to watch what's going on. And it's amazing. But we need roots to get out of the rough times. That's why we have groups. You see, we have a connect group and a grow group. And the connect groups are to build relationship. The grow group is to help you put down roots. If you're here and you have not been a part of a grow group, that would be step one. Start to grow your faith. Expand. Get roots down. And and in that, yes, you build relationships, but the primary purpose is discipleship. We We want to help you become a mature follower of Jesus Christ. We want to help you grow to become a, a, a mature follower that, that loves Jesus passionately and loves his word and is will, willing to change your life because the word says this is how it's supposed to work. You see, many people get stuck in once-a-week faith, you know? And that once-a-week faith actually becomes a couple times a month faith because their attendance patterns become less and less. And, and you know, uh, then, it, then it comes down to, you know, I'll go to church when I need a good shot in the arm. When I need some encouragement. I, I don't know if you've ever run into people that you haven't seen in ages. Like, man, it's so good to see you. And the automatic thinking is you're at another church. And the first thing they'll tell me is, you know, Faith Chapel's still my church. I just want you to know that. And, and I'm just like, you know, I'm so glad to know you're not growing anywhere. You know? I mean, it's so encouraging to hear you're, you're not growing anywhere. Because that's just a comfort to my heart. The reality is, you know, when we're not around the body, when we're not getting the word of God, oh, we're vulnerable. We're vulnerable. The enemy, he, he wants to prey on those who have become weak, those who are separated, uh, you know, from the body of Christ. So the sower spreads seed in areas. Here's my take on the question I started off with. The sower spreads seed in areas that he knows will ultimately not bear fruit because the sower is the one who carries the heart of God, the love of God. And 
Um, it, it, it may seem foolish to, to waste seed on the path. It may seem foolish to waste seed uh, on rocky, rocky places, but, but we need to understand that this is God spreading his love, his reckless love, in hopes that somehow, some way, that seed will find a way to make a difference. That's why we see people who were once so far from God, atheists, haters of God, haters of Christianity, we see them turning to God in great numbers. Why? Because somehow, some way, some supernatural thing happened, and that seed ended up doing something in that person's heart. You see, we never give up, give up on people no matter how far they are from God. There always is hope. That's why the sower sows seed recklessly. Yeah, it is. So Jesus goes on to talk about not only uh, the seed that fell on the path and not only the seed that fell on the rocky places, but also another. If you look at verse 14, he says, The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear. Again, once again, they hear. They hear the word of God. But as they go on their way, they're choked by life's worries riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. They bear no fruit. I would call this a crowded heart. I'd call this a, a, a crowded heart. You know, I want God, but I also want these things. I, I want God to do great things in my life, but, you know, I'm busy here, and I'm busy there, and we crowd God right, right out of our lives. You know, we're trying to send down roots. We're getting committed, but the world sucks, sucks us in, and, and we just get so busy with the ways of the world that God gets sort of crowded out. And you see in this verse that there's growth, but there's no ultimate fruit. There's, there's no change. So, so the person who, who's sown, uh, whose heart is sown among the thorns, really, they love God. It's just they don't have time for God. They don't, they don't have time for God. They love him. They're committed. They just don't have time. God and some of us you know we're all really busy everyone's busy but you can be busy um, with all the wrong things it's not necessarily bad things but you can be busy with the wrong things and when you're busy with the wrong things a good thing takes place of a God thing he takes the place the good thing takes the place of a God thing and ultimately we don't we're, we're not transformed like God had purposed for us to do. And I would say the answer to that, to address that, is to surrender your heart to God. You want to know what messed me up yesterday? I'm sitting there reading, and I, I see the hard heart and, you know, what happens when seed falls on the path. I see what happens when seed falls on rocky places. And the reality is either they never get saved or they fall away. And it began to break my heart because, you know what? They don't have a chance. We don't have a chance separate from God. There's no chance for us apart from God. For a person that whose hard heart doesn't allow that seed to sink in and save them, you know, we, we don't think about hell a lot, but eternal separation from God is a very, very scary thing. And the people, you know, who once were among us or are among us, when, when opposition comes in life, if they have no root system, they fall away. I knew a man who, um, you know, he was in the church for many, many years, and, and uh, you know, he was just, he was, he was a good guy, um, he was faithful, but ultimately he never took down roots. His mom got sick and she passed away, and I never saw him again. Why? Because 
When, when trouble comes, they fall away. That's what Jesus said. Jesus then talked about the one heart, the one kind of heart, the one out of four types will bear fruit. And I call that the fertile heart. I was, uh, I was in Albany this week on Friday, and I was in a place, there was this Camp Pinnacle place, and, and this place had um, acorns falling from these oak trees. Acorns everywhere. Pretty much as you walk, you're crunching on acorns. And uh, acorn is a type of seed, you know, for an oak tree, right? Acorn, uh, you know, you plant an acorn and you get it, you, theoretically, you get an oak tree. And so, my point is this, when, when you get the word of God, you get the acorn. You don't get the oak tree. The word of God is a seed that's going to bear fruit. When you plant the word of God, you begin to see transformation. I mean, people's hearts change. You see the fruit of the spirit. Love. They start loving. You know, anger is dealt with. Love, joy, peace. You start seeing, you know, a, a transformed life. They're, they're more like Jesus. You, you begin to see fruit. So you, you, you plant an, an acorn, you get an oak tree. You, you allow the word of God to be planted in your heart. You, you get a transformed life. You get this? And, and so no one ever taught us. Listen, no one ever taught us the reality that the seed of the word of God can change us so dramatically. I, I want you to see that the seed must be put in a place, in the right place, in a fertile place to bear fruit. Just like an acorn must be put in the right place to bear an oak tree, the seed of God must be put in the right place to bear fruit. And so Jesus is talking about hearts. I'm going to close in just a minute. There's one last verse I want to share with you. One of the greatest, um, wisest men's that ever, men, men that ever lived made this powerful statement in Scripture about our hearts. Listen, no one ever talked to us about how we deal with, how, how do we have a heart that's a good soil? I mean, what do we got to do to have this kind of heart that is going to bear fruit, you know? I don't want the enemy to snatch away the seed of God's Word. I don't want, um, you know, I don't want a, a shallow, immature life to not allow God's word to produce fruit in my life. I don't want thorns and, and worries and concerns of riches and busyness in my life to rob me from bearing fruit for God. How do we bear fruit for God? How do we have a good heart? Here's Solomon, this guy, one of the wisest men that ever lived, makes, it, makes this powerful statement in Proverbs 4, 23. He says this, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Another translation says, for it is the very wellspring of your life. Guard your heart. How do you guard your heart? How in the world do you guard your heart? How do we have a heart that's good soil? How, do we, how, how can we be fertile for God? How, how can we put our hearts in a place where our hearts are fertile for God? In the medical community, they could take this little scope and run it up one of your arteries all the way to your heart and check out your heart and see how it's doing. You ever hear of that? They, I could, they could run this little scope, this little camera in there, and tell exactly what's going on in your heart. Is it working right? Is it not working right? Is it broken somehow? Is there, you know, is there, is there problems in there? Is there blockages in there? But we don't really know how to check out our hearts, do we? 
He says, guard your heart. What does it say to be guarded like? We guard things that are valuable to us, don't we? We guard things that matter to us. Like, we, we guard our family. We guard our possessions. We guard our money. I remember when I went to the Czech Republic, there was one of those guards and the elder guard, and they're, they're standing there, and they're guarding this building that I went in, went into. So they guarded what went in and what came out. You get this? How do we guard our heart? I remember, I'm just going to end with this story really quickly, and maybe someone can come and help me finish. But um, when my kids were younger, I still do this in a less direct way, but when my kids were younger, I felt like it was my responsibility to guard their heart because they wouldn't know how. You know? When they're children, I think a parent should guard their children's heart. When we're adults, it's our responsibility, like Solomon says, above all else, Guard your heart. How do we guard our heart? Well, I can tell you how I guarded my children's hearts. I'd watch how they're doing, you know? How are you doing? How was your day? Did anyone say anything that hurt you? Are you you mad at anyone? What's going on in your heart? And I would sort of just do this few questions to make sure my kids were okay. Is there anything going on in your heart? And I think in the same way, what Solomon's saying to us is we've got to monitor. See, I monitor my kids' hearts. We've got to monitor our own hearts. Maybe we're mad at somebody. Maybe there's a wound there. Someone said something or did something that hurt us. Maybe, you know, maybe the enemy's having his 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 way in our lives and we're just we're just broken inside. And I want to do tonight, today, this morning, uh, what, I, what I would do with my kids. And I'm going to ask you a question. Are you mad at anybody? How's your heart? Has someone been hurting you? Have, you? have you allowed your heart to be clouded by so much busyness that God's word has really no impact in your life? Are you growing in your faith or do you have a shallow heart? It's up to us to take responsibility for our hearts. And my challenge to you, I want to, in just a moment, I'm going to have you stand. I'll pray for you and we'll close the service. But my challenge to you this week, this very week, as you begin to look at what's going on in your heart, are you reacting weirdly? Are you reacting to something Maybe you're getting snippety with your husband or your wife or short with your kids. To me, that's a sign. I would guard my heart by saying, God, what is going on here? You know? Why am I why am I feeling this way? Why am I feeling so broken all the time? And I would bring it to God and I would let him begin to speak to me through his word or through just hearing his voice. My heart okay? David David said this, Lord, search my heart. Let me know if there be any wicked way in me. David was presenting his heart to God, and he was known, as I started off with a negative story about David, David was known as a man after God's own heart. See, there's hope. There's hope. What, what I want you to take away today from this parable is we're just a manner, a condition, Would you stand to your feet today?
Let's close in prayer. Let's just close your eyes for a minute. This is not because of any reason other than to eliminate distraction for just a moment as we pray. Father, today, I thank you, Lord, for your word, God. We want to have hearts of good soil, God. We don't want the things that you've sown in us to choke us out. We don't want to walk away from here and totally forget what we heard. God, we do that so much. We want your word to land on good soil, God. And so today, Holy Spirit, I just invite you, Lord, to begin to speak and minister, Lord, and touch people's lives, God. Lord, tell us what you're saying, God. Tell us what we need to know as a result of this parable, God. I bless your people today. I thank you, God, for this day and your word, your powerful word, God. And may this story that Jesus spoke change their world, God. I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys.